You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, I've talked about the effects of illegal immigration, and now it's going into different communities. How about uh, in Cranston, where a young girl, 14 years old, a Spanish-speaking man, tried to grab her? Let's pick up the report from Channel 12 WPRI. Cranston police have released surveillance cameras of the individual, no doubt an illegal Listen to this report. I think they've reported Matt Paddock on it. Listen to this. They want you to know. Matt? Shannon, according to Major Todd Padalano, a 14-year-old girl was walking to school when she was approached by the man who made alarming statements and then grabbed her by the arm. We don't know who he is or where he is, so we need the public's help, and that's why we provided that photo of him. An unnerving incident happening Friday morning in the city of Cranston. According to Major Todd Padalano, a 14-year-old girl was walking to school when all of a sudden she was approached by this man outside of the track at Bain Middle School. He approached her and asked her that uh, where she was going if, if she, and stated that you are really pretty. Um, you have a nice body. Patalano says the young girl told the man she was 14. According to police, she was met with this response. He stated that's okay, and at one point he grabbed her arm. But what's important to note is the comments that he did make to her are uh, certainly alarming to us and what his motive was. Police say the girl then ran to a crossing guard for help. The man then took off towards Gansett Avenue, running into a nearby neighborhood towards Cranston Street this individual was waiting there for a young female to walk by and then commenting to her and then actually grabbing her arm is something that's very concerning and this is why we need to locate this individual. Major Padalano says the police's detective unit and school resource officers are monitoring all schools and keeping their eyes to the streets in search of the individual, sharing safety tips for those who walk to school. Always stay visible, stay on main roads, try to walk to school with someone else, Obviously, if you have a cell phone, make sure you have that with you. Anyone who may know the identity of the person of interest are asked to call Cranston's detective division. We have that number over on our website. Reporting live in Cranston tonight, Matt Paddock, 12 News. Now, Cranston Street is packed with illegals, and there's even an apartment where I, I would imagine the police know about it, but there's there's like 10 to 12 all illegal young men, guys, that are living there. Now, I also want to remind people uh, in different parts of the country, especially like the Dominican, in Guatemala, and other countries, they go after very young girls. So when she said, well, I'm only 14, and he said, that's okay, their culture, uh, you've had members of the Red Sox, you've had professional athletes that get in trouble because they date girls that are 16 years old, even younger. So in their culture, that's that's not our culture. But look at, as I've talked about, look at the dangers that Governor McKee and Matos are bringing into Rhode Island. Now, these are policies where let's give them driver's licenses. Let's make the state a sanctuary state. Between that and the open drug policy, the legalization of illicit drugs, as I have told you, this stuff, it's, it's all moving out now into the suburbs. Now, where that is in Cranston, that's not a bad section of Cranston. Now, granted, it, I, I'm very familiar with it. Um, it's right near Cranston Street. But Bain Middle School is considered, you know, that's, that's not like a rough and tumble type of school. At least that wasn't the reputation. In broad daylight now, in a section of Cranston, and he started off speaking Spanish. You have the police saying, don't walk alone. You know, what what what, what was going to happen when he went to go grab her arm? So this is, but look at what our police are up against. This is not someone, he's not, he's not from here. That's not an American. That is someone, he was standing there early in the morning looking for a young girl to grab and most likely sexually assault. That's what we're dealing with right now. And again, these are the policies of Governor McKee, Lieutenant Governor Matos, that they continue to lure people in here. The people that they're bringing in are not people that are adding to your quality of life. They come from foreign lands. They don't belong here. 
They're not residents. They're putting you and all of us at risk. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge, especially this time of year. So much going on. They always have a nice crowd right there. Full bar, large dining area right there in the lounge. Easy to get to, whether it's lunch or dinner. A great meal is waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Think of this, since 1994. That's right, celebrating the big anniversary this year. I'll see you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252. AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling contact them today it's a family-run business aj drywall plaster home improvements call for a free quote what a difference they'll make in your home your ceilings floors basements 401-323-9252 what a difference beautiful walls and ceilings 401-323-9252 you can also find them on facebook it's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is our legal expert, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. It is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, why don't we start off with uh, something that is kind of puzzling to some and the media pointing out to it could be completely above board. But the uh, revelation that the Rhode Island DOT was requiring employees connected to the Washington Bridge to sign non-disclosure agreements, just um, non-disclosure agreements, NDAs, whenever they come up, certainly garner a lot of attention. So if you could uh, walk us through a little bit. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a headline that doesn't have a lot of backup to it, to my understanding. My What I understand is that the NDAs, were um, required when the DOT was negotiating for one of the um, largest or most significant contracts relating to work needed on the bridge. Now, I guess the NDA would um, prohibit employees from giving information that they were aware of to any of the potential bidders for the contract work on the bridge. I think the headline makes it seem, and I could be wrong, but I don't think so, that uh, this NDA has something to do with the newly discovered um, failures of the bridge and what's going to have to happen. Um, it seems to me that the, an NDA is a very provocative thing for um, the department to require. Um, I'm not sure if I think most of the DOT workers are unionized in some form or fashion. Again, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Um, I wonder if there were any complaints made about the necessity of um, signing an NDA and what's the scope of it? What does it cover? What can an employee talk about? What are they barred from talking about? Who are they barred from speaking to? Um, there's so many details that go into it, but the very existence of an NDA is with all of the secrecy and inability to answer questions about the future of this bridge and what's going to be needed to fix it and how long is it going to take, um, the existence of this non-disclosure agreement situation um, the, the bad optics just continue for this whole bridge, uh, what appears to be a, a fiasco. Um, can they speak to federal investigators? I believe the NDA is specific to 
bidders on contract work. Now, why would an NDA be required? Um, if it's an NDA to prevent workers from giving inside information about um, the contract, the, the scope of the contract, which could influence the bids, or if certain employees might know what other competitors are bidding and they're prohibited from letting others know what the bids are that are coming in. I mean, we really need to see the NDA to see what the scope of it is. And I don't believe that's been released yet. And Tim, uh, if someone signed one and then they were called, let's just say, again, hypothetical, but called in front of prosecutors, uh, could they use that as a defense to not answer questions? Well, I, I think that that would be a legitimate issue to be brought up. Um, it might require a judge to give the person who, from whom information is, let's assume somebody's calling before a grand jury and they say, well, I can't talk about it because I signed this NDA. Typically something like that would go before a court for a determination as to whether or not that NDA was enforceable and whether or not the person could be given immunity from the um, language contained in the NDA. And we don't really know the scope of this NDA, what it prevents employees from talking about. Did everyone have to sign it? Or did only like supervisors have to sign it? Did only people who were involved in the contract negotiation process have to sign it? This is so much we have to know. Um, and I don't think we've got all the information available. But again, it's just the optics are terrible that they've got people signing NDAs. It doesn't look good at all. And Tim, what about the fact that uh, it is, you know, the feds are investigating this. Uh, when there was a press availability the other day, there was speculation that the director of the DOT was no longer going to be answering questions from the press. Now, since there is a federal inquiry, and right now they haven't been subpoenaed, but they are turning over documents, um, would, would you, what would, what would be normally the advice on some of the people that were involved with the closure of the bridge, what led to that. Um, is that something that, that maybe they should stop talking about publicly? Which category of employees are you talking about? Are you talking about Peter Alviti or yes. anyone in the chain of command? Yeah, let's say Peter Alviti. Well, Peter Alviti uh, is the director. If the governor says you're not going to be taking questions anymore, we're going to turn it over to his deputy chief of staff, the governor from the governor's office. Well, that's the governor's call. He ultimately oversees all of his department directors. Um, if Peter Alviti or any of the other senior people at DOT were of the opinion that they might have some um, exposure, either civilly or criminally, and I don't have any reason to believe either of those is true at this point. Yep. But if the individual DOT employee has some reason to believe that they might have exposure criminally or civilly, they should not be speaking to the press. They should not be answering questions. And most importantly, they should lawyer up. So they have some um, sounding board for what they should and shouldn't say, or if they do have any um, exposure uh, for any type of lawsuit criminal or civil you gotta lawyer up folks quick break much more ahead our legal expert attorney tim dodd right here on the john DePietro show it's my health 1099 menden road in cumberland diagonally across from davenport restaurant stop in and see marie that historic white church shop local inside all quality products vitamins Herbal remedies, trusted companies, they understand quality, integrity. It's my health. It's all about your health. Local products, I say, honey, maple syrup, beef, fresh gum. You know, they carry over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products, and much more natural skincare products. Stop it and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. It's all about health for you, for your family. There's vitamins for children, all different types of teas, all different types of spices. 
Boy, what a difference it'll make. Shop local. Stop it and see the queen of health. It's Marie. And it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Right in that historic white church. It's all about health. It's all about your health. And it's my health. We speak with our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Well, Tim, um, obviously, each week we've been discussing President Trump. This is uh, no exception. Federal appeals court found Donald Trump not entitled broad immunity from federal prosecutors. Let's walk through that. This is one step in a long process, which, as we've discussed, will probably will ultimately get to the United States Supreme Court. This was a decision of a federal appeals court, not the full court, but this was on an emergency petition. Two of the judges, my understanding, were um, Joe Biden appointees. One of the judges was um, a um, Bush 41 um, appointee. And the three judges who heard the matter uh, were all... um, not in not in favor of or not persuaded by uh, the Trump argument that um, a president once out of office should still be granted immunity from prosecution for acts taken while in office. Um, you know, Trump's got a very difficult position here because his lawyers are typically asked in these scenarios. So are you saying that the president could um, injure some, could shoot somebody, could kill somebody or order somebody from within his administration to go kill a political opponent? Would the president, once out of office, be immune from being prosecuted for that type of criminal activity? Trump's people are almost compelled to say, yeah, but it, it's, a, it's a difficult argument to make. There are certain things that a president might do while in office, decisions made that a president cannot be prosecuted for while in office. But once out of office, a president could be so prosecuted. And that's exactly what the Department of Justice um, in some of the various states are attempting to do uh, to go after Trump both civilly and most importantly criminally uh, for conduct and decisions and acts taken while he was president. Remember on January 6th um, when the incident at the Capitol occurred, he was still president. Um, So he's suggesting that whatever he did or didn't do on that day should be um, something he cannot be prosecuted for once out of office. The president's position is that if civil and criminal actions are allowed to be taken against a president once he or she is an ex-president and no longer the president but now just a private citizen once again, um, that will hamstring a president because a president when making a decision will always be looking over his or her shoulder to make sure that the actions taken could not subject the president once out of office to these types of civil or criminal cases. So Trump's got a point, but his point sort of falls apart because his counsel are suggesting that there's a blanket immunity from any sort of civil or criminal prosecution for an ex-president. So I guess when Joe Biden's out of office, someone or some department, or depending on what administration might be in charge, might say that Biden's failure to um, secure the border um, was in direct violation of federal law and could be sued either criminally or civilly for his failure to do anything um, to stop that from happening. It could be as simple as the type of um, executive orders that Donald Trump used 
when he was newly in office. Um, there's any number of things a president might do. I think the Trump lawyer suggested, well, could um, President Obama, now a private citizen, be sued civilly, uh, charges brought criminally if the statute of limitations would allow, uh, for killing civilians during certain drone strikes overseas. I mean, you can get into some very far-fetched scenarios. You know, it's just like this three-member panel said, well, can the president kill somebody and be immune from prosecution? The trick there becomes... <clears throat> If the president kills somebody while in office, shoots somebody, um, Trump's lawyers now say, well, if, if the president takes such actions while in office, then he can be impeached and convicted by the Senate and removed from office. But that's not a criminal prosecution. That's simply removal from office. Sure. Um, and it goes back and forth because during Trump's um, second impeachment hearing, his, his lawyers were saying at the time, you can't impeach me because I'm out of office. Because if you recall, the second impeachment happened after he was already um, out of office, but yep. uh, the House d decided, well, we're going to go after him anyways. So like any good lawyer, Trump's lawyers are arguing both sides of the position when it's convenient for them to do so. This now goes, I believe, to the full um, circuit court and if there's still a negative ruling thereafter, it would ultimately make its way to the Supreme Court. I think the, the Trump team will ultimately lose this one because there's no easy way to make a demarcation as to what types of uh, actions a president might take while in office, which might be criminal, that could be prosecuted once he or she is no longer in office, versus which you could not be prosecuted for. I, I don't see where a line can be drawn. Um, do I think it could cause real problems for ex-presidents down the line, as Trump is suggesting? I do. Uh, nothing like this has ever happened before. I think the only times that it has happened, um, for instance, when Richard Nixon resigned, I guess he could have been prosecuted criminally for right. the actions that he took, except for the fact that President Ford pardoned him. I guess that Bill Clinton could have been prosecuted for uh, the perjury that he engaged in during the, uh, his deposition. However, he cut a deal and paid a fine and agreed to a temporary suspension of his license to practice law. But if Clinton had made <clears throat> um, a deal, a compromise of his situation, he would have been prosecutable. And I guess he would have been saying, well, you can't prosecute me as a private citizen for actions I took while president. It would be the same arguments. Um, at the end of the day, although there is a point to what President Trump is saying, because it could be a treacherous thing for ex-presidents and it could influence what you do while in office, well, I think he still loses. And at the end of the day, I guess if you're the president, you should be thinking about, am I doing something which could be criminal? Am I doing something that I could be prosecuted for once I'm out of office? Sure. Um, that should be a legitimate concern. Yep. So although Trump's buying time and delaying these trials – and he does have at least a colorable argument to be made. I think at the end of the day, he loses. Folks, quick even break. In the, even in the Supreme Court, he loses. Uh, much more with legal analyst attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show. All your oil needs, make it Henry Oil. Call Henry Oil today, 401 521 0200 reliable affordable fuel oil delivery call henry oil today fuel oil diesel gasoline delivery it's henry oil residential commercial fuel oil delivery since 1947 they also have budget plans service contracts 
lack lock and cap pricing you can depend on henry oil call them today 401-521-0200 serving most of rhode island and southeastern mass we got a long way to go with winter make sure that tank is filled call henry oil today 401-521-0200 henry oil a local family-run business since 1947 that you can depend on for all your oil needs call henry oil today 401-521-0200 we're speaking with our legal analyst it's attorney tim dot tim this next story out of michigan first of its kind michigan jury convicted the school shooter's mother of involuntary manslaughter this is a unique very unique case with all of the tragic um, school shootings that we've seen around the country many times by young people you know people under the age of 18 um, with mental and psychological problems of the type that it's hard to imagine This mom um, gets prosecuted and convicted of four counts of involuntary manslaughter. Now, in this state, there is a specific law on the books which can make a parent criminally liable for the actions of a child um, if what the parent does or doesn't do reaches the elements of um, the state's involuntary manslaughter um, uh, statute. So what happened in here could not necessarily happen in other states that don't have such a law on the books. Since this has been a successful prosecution, I think we will see a move across the country to adopt a criminal statute similar to what we've had here Um, in an effort to perhaps get parents to be more engaged in or aware of what their mentally disturbed um, kid might be up to. I wasn't sure this would be a conviction. I mean, the the facts in in the horrific nature of what happened here, I think, would have a jury thinking that we got to punish this woman for what she did. The facts that were developed during the case were a little bit different. Here, mom and dad buy their son a a firearm. The son takes it out and uses it with dad, I believe, at at the firing range. The dad is allegedly responsible for the safekeeping of the gun while it's home and that the kid should not have access to it and be able to get at it without dad's supervision. Obviously, that didn't happen. Mom says she wasn't really aware of all the things that were going on with her son. Apparently, the son had a notebook, like a diary, where he said, you know, my parents don't pay attention to me. Excuse me. They're not recognizing all the mental problems that I'm having. Um, I talk to them, and they're not doing anything about it. Now, That's what the kid is saying to his diary. Mom says, I never saw that, and he never told me that he was having any mental problems. The kid has social media posts where he says, you know, describes his mental mental difficulties and that, you know, if somebody doesn't step in, he's going to be shooting up the school. Mom says, I never saw those social media posts. The day of the shooting, mom and I believe dad are brought into the school because the school intercepts a drawing that the that the kid did, um, showing a gun and you know people who were you know shot with guns and you know bleeding out. The administrators bring the parents in and said, "This is what your kid's doing. We're concerned about his mental health. Look at what he's drawing." I think at that juncture a decision was collectively made. Well, if we take him home, he's going to be alone all day and his mental problems might be worse. Maybe it's better if he stays in school today where he's at least with his peers and, you know, somebody can be watching what he's up to. 
that collective decision by the parents and the school administrators was made obviously without the knowledge that this kid within a couple of hours was going to shoot up the school and without the knowledge when that decision was made that the kid had um, the firearm in his backpack. So mom's saying, I had no idea. He never talked to me about his mental problems. He never complained that he was having mental problems. Um, And I thought I had an open door policy that he could come to me with his problems. I think one of the damning answers that mom gave when she testified in her own defense, <clears throat> the prosecutor asked a question to, to the idea of, uh, would you have done anything different? And she answered, no, I wouldn't. And I think that she's saying, based upon what I knew at the time, there was no reason for me to do anything differently than what I did, because I didn't know about these posts. I didn't know about the diary. I didn't know about... You know, the fact that the kid had the gun in his backpack. I think the mother, in answering that way, was inflammatory when she said, I wouldn't have done anything differently. But I think the question was to say, based on the circumstances at the time, would you have done anything differently? He says, no. So I had no idea this was all going on in my kid's head. But that answer, I think, really... um, hurt her severely yeah. because there was no contrition. There was no remorse. There was no like, boy, if I could only hit do that day over again, right. boy, would I have done things differently? Yeah. And yeah. she's stuck to her guns, which might have been, you know, if she said, yeah, I would have done something differently. Would that then suggest that her failure to do something differently is an acknowledgement that she acted incorrectly. So she was kind of stuck. Okay. But, but I think that she could have been um, could have been suggested to her about her counsel, and you're going to get this question, and you might handle it this way or this way. But the way she handled it, I think, really stuck in the minds of the jury, and sure. the prosecution pounded that home during their closing. Um, does she have a shot at appeal? Um, it's a difficulty. We don't really know from our vantage point in Rhode Island if there's any problem with the jury instructions or with evidence that the judge allowed in or kept out. But um, I think there's going to be a lot of states adopting this type of uh, criminal statute in an effort to get parents to be more responsible and aware of what their kids are up to. Tim, Dad, you just wonder if if she had just said, yeah, I wish we had taken him home or I wish I had searched his backpack. He had the gun in the backpack. So, but her answer was her answer. Finally, or, let's... Or, John, let's ahead. assume she had said, I took the advice of the school administrators to leave my kid in school. Sure. I right. took their advice. Yeah. True. Let's move on to, uh, this is a, a, a unique story. Senators battle uh, neighbors over a boundary line. This is in Warren. You have a state senator. These people purchase a home. They move in. They want to expand their home. On their land are uh, these, they're not really hedges, but what it is is, in fact, is these hemlock. And as they go to remove them, their next-door neighbor says, oh, no, I, I planted those. You can't take those down. They're, I, have a, I had a verbal agreement with the other owner. These, these are mine. Um, walk us through this, Tim Dodd. Well, these types of cases happen all the time. Um, The fact that there's a state senator involved does not change the facts of these types of cases. What this is, is what we call an adverse possession case. The law in Rhode Island is, if John, let's assume you and I are neighbors. And uh, for more than 10 years, I openly and notoriously... um, utilize your property as my own. So let's assume I cut the grass that's really on your property, uh, on your side of a property line. I put up shrubs on what I know to be your side of the property line. I put a fence up, which I know to be on your side of the property line. I do so open, openly and obviously. And if I do it continuously for a period of 10 years, 
then I can claim ownership of that piece of property that I've been utilizing and occupying and maintaining uh, as my own under the adverse possession law. <clears throat> now, it's not in a deed. It's not going to be in a title search, but it's something that I would be claiming. So if you then came along 11 or 12 years into this and said, you know, I'm taking this fence down, I could stop you and say, no, no, I own that by adverse possession. And if you continue to persist that you want to take it down or remove the trees that I've planted, then we wind up in court on an adverse possession action. Now, these neighbors uh, who are complaining, oh, this is a state senator, it's got nothing to do with it that he's a state senator. He's saying, I've been doing this for a period of over 10 years. Um, it's been open, it's been obvious, and um, I'm not going to change anything. You can't, you can't touch this, which I now claim to be mine. Now, it's really not his until a judge says it's his. So this will ultimately wind up in court, and a judge will have to make a determination as to whether a legitimate adverse claim exists. And if so, there would be a court order that that property that's in dispute is now the property, in this case, of the state senator. The other issue with an adverse possession action is you can tack the time together. So let's assume that my predecessor in title owned the property for eight years doing this. And now I've only lived there for three years and I continue with the same way of doing things. It's no defense to say, well, you've only been there for three years because I can tack on the time that my predecessors were adversely possessing the property as well. So the neighbor who is complaining, I think, is going to have a very difficult time. Um, I, in reading the article, didn't see that they had a real good defense to any of this. Um, the one place they might look is when they purchased the property from whoever they purchased it from, this normally um, something called, it's like a survey exception deletion where the selling person makes um, an acknowledgement to the purchaser. So for instance, are you involved with any underground easements? Are you aware of any, um, cemeteries you know you could have like a historic cemetery that the stones were knocked down i do you are you aware of any adverse possession claims or boundary disputes now the person selling might have said i'm not aware of any boundary disputes because everyone let's say acknowledges that the way things look is the way things are legally and didn't realize necessarily about this adverse possession it gets into a very thorny issue. Uh, and normally a title insurance policy is not going to do much for these people who are now complaining unless, <clears throat> even if they had done a survey of their property, it would a, a survey would not have disclosed this claim of ownership by the, uh, in this case, the state senator. So these people who bought with ideas of doing different things to their property um, are likely not going to prevail and not get to do the things they had hoped to do. Wow. And it's, these cases come up all the time. It's so common uh, in Rhode Island, the way the law is written for um, these types of claims to be made. Um, and just like these people kind of walked into this, um, now that they're the owners, now that they've paid their money, now that they realize they've bought a big problem. Um, so I guess when you're buying real estate, you really have to do your due diligence. But in this case, with any amount of due diligence, I don't know how they would have been made aware of this situation. So it's um, judges hate these cases. Yeah. They're, they're very fact specific. Um, they cause huge problems amongst um, abutting neighbors creates lots of bad feelings. It's um, very unpleasant litigation as these people are, are going to find out because I don't think they're in court yet, but if they do get into court, um, they're not going to be happy. 
Folks, he is our legal analyst. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. Propane Plus. Call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401-885-4209. Three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they're going to serve you for a very long time. They have a great user-friendly website. You just log on at propaneplus.com, and then you type in your zip code, residential, commercial, Propane Plus, heating and cooling, always there for you. Give them a call today in Rhode Island, 401 885-4209 in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. The Johnson family, three generations, heating and cooling. You can always depend on Propane Plus. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Well, the disaster continues regarding the bridge with no answers in sight, no end in sight. People have lost complete confidence in the leadership of Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee. So let's play. This is the latest now. East Providence officials still want Governor McKee to ask for emergency declaration. He can't. He can't declare an emergency declaration because the bridge has not fallen down. What part of this do these people not understand? Let's pick up some of the coverage with uh, WPRI Channel 12. Councilors made it very clear during that meeting last night that the bridge closure is causing several impacts in East Providence. During the lengthy meeting, it was revealed that the city council had sent a letter to Governor Dan McKee requesting a declaration of emergency in hopes to be given some assistance to the city. They asked the state for a few other requests that have already been done, such as compensating their traffic controls that they had to increase due to the bridge closure. Governor McKee recently met with some councilors, the superintendent of schools, the police chief and the mayor to address their concerns after that letter was sent. It was revealed that the school department expressed several issues they are having with buses navigating traffic and even one resignation of a teacher who could no longer be making the drive through the heavy traffic every day. One counselor expressed what his hopes are for the future as heavy traffic continues to plague the city. At some point, whenever this is all done, that the state realizes an obligation to come back to East Providence and repair some of our infrastructure, our streets, sidewalks, curbs, things that are being damaged every day by no fault of any one person, but 18-wheel trucks and traffic uh, coming through in and around East Providence. Now, during that meeting, a spokesperson with the city's police department also discussed some of the ongoing efforts that they have in place to alleviate some traffic throughout the side streets. For now, reporting live at East Providence, Kristen Burnell, 12 News. You know what's amazing about that is I don't blame that poor teacher. I was unaware of that, that somebody's already resigned saying, uh, I can't take this anymore. And I don't blame them. It totally throws off your routine. Who had noticed now when the governor's meeting with these people, he's trying to keep everybody in line. Understand what that is. He's just trying to keep everybody, hopefully, in the pew, all sing- singing from the same hymn. And uh, he's afraid that some individuals may go rogue and start to veer off and then start to criticize him. But how much longer is this going to be in the cost? Listen to the latest cost. Material testing and police details for traffic control. This morning, we're also getting a look into text messages between Governor Dan McKee and RIDOT Director Peter Alvidi in the days and weeks following the Washington Bridge breakdown. The messages were released as part of a public records request. The messages show that the two often asked to talk over the phone about the bridge rather than reveal details in text. Meanwhile, during an East Providence City Council meeting last night, councillors said that the bridge closure is causing an economic crisis in East Providence. They also addressed how the bridge closure continues to impact residents. There is a huge ripple effect that is devastating people's lives on a, on a large scale. 
in Rydot says that initial data shows that the new traffic pattern on 195 West is causing a positive impact on residents who live near the off-ramps in East Providence, but they're still giving one more day to test the study. That's the latest in East Providence this morning. Kristen Burnell, 12 News. I believe the cost is 860000 Now, I'm going to defend, and I'm not saying I need to or that it was um, derogatory, but I could understand where Governor McKee and Director Alvidi were saying, why don't we talk? I know some people were saying, well, that way they kind of get around that there's no record of what their conversation was. But, uh, you know, why would you, you know, you don't, you don't text when you can speak and you can get through a conversation much faster if people are, are not texting. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to cut them some slack on that. I can't imagine the two of them just going back and forth compared to let's let's have a conversation. But this is, I want to remind people, this is all the early stages. This is, um, this is all just the, you know, this is all just the first inning as a matter of fact. So I, I believe that people are, are still trying to come to grips with especially ground zero is East Providence kind of come to grips with what has happened and how much this is going to impact them. So in the cost to the state is just beginning. And and I want to, this business that the federal government always comes in and they're going to bail everybody out. I, I see no evidence of that. Now I want to go back to this. So the bridge closure has already cost close to $1 million. And this is just, you know, the beginning now. Let's pick Much up again. Channel 12. So Here we go. 12 News reporter Kayla Fish joins us from East Here Providence with the latest. Kayla? Well, Shannon, after repeated requests for information from Target 12, a RIDOT spokesperson revealed that the closure of part of the Washington Bridge has cost the state more than three quarters of a million dollars so far. And that's an open tab that's far from being closed. $860,000. That's how much the Rhode Island Department of Transportation says the Washington Bridge closure has cost the state. That estimate as of February 2nd includes costs for bridge inspections and in-depth examinations, material testing and police details for traffic control. Those police details, like the ones seen each night in East Providence, costing the state almost 85000 alone. But it's not just the state bearing the financial brunt of the closure. It's an economic crisis in the city. The impact also being felt by East Providence business owners. Tuesday night, city councilors got an update from the Small Business Administration, which has received more than 110 applications for emergency loans from businesses impacted by the closure. Only two have been approved so far, but a spokesperson for the SBA cautioned that it's a slow process. I'd like to give the businesses in our community some reassurance that we, there is diligence and urgency in their needs. Counselors also addressed the hardship being felt by residents. There is a huge ripple effect that is devastating people's lives on a, on a large scale. Now, we also have an update on the new traffic pattern on 195 West that was implemented by the DOT late last week. Initial data from RIDOT shows that the change has had a positive impact on those who live here in East Providence near some of the on-ramps for the highway. RIDOT says they plan to keep that traffic pattern in place for at least another day to keep studying it. We're live in East Providence tonight. I'm Kayla Fish, 12 News. Well, the... I mean, I think the bottom line is there's, there's just no way out of this. They can try different patterns, try to uh, <clears throat> somehow amuse the, the residents, but I just don't think there's, there's any way out of this. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Do you need a good plumber? I found the best plumber, JMB Plumbing. Call them today, all your plumbing needs, 401 401- 743-9153. JMB Plumbing. They've been providing plumbing services for years. Skilled professionals stand behind their work. Guarantee you will be happy. Maybe it's repairing damaged water pipes, repair clogged pipelines, maybe replace a, a water heater, as well as all your plumbing needs. Call them now. It's JMB Plumbing. 401 743 
9153. Nothing throws off your life or your home or your business. When you need plumbing service, you need someone reliable, someone who's professional, someone who'll handle the job and do it right. It's JMB Plumbing. Call them today, 401 743 9153. JMB Plumbing. And look for them on Facebook. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, I always tout our website just because it has exclusive stories and video. It has links to on-the-scene live stream. Remember, there's no vo- uh, vowel I. It's D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com, DePietro.com. You can also reach me that way if you'd like to get in touch with me. DePietro.com. Log on. And then links to Facebook and YouTube, everything we have, it's all waiting for you right there at the website. For all your tree needs, call Yankee Tree today. The tree trimming experts in Lincoln call Yankee Tree at 401-439-6028. Whether it's tree removal, stump grinding, Tree pruning, emergency service, bucket truck service, even bobcat service. You can depend on Yankee Tree. Remember, 24-7 emergency service is available. They are fully insured, licensed arborists. Yankee Tree. With all these storms, don't let some dangerous branches fall onto your home or business. Call Yankee Tree today, 401-439-6028. The tree trimming experts in Lincoln you can depend on Yankee Tree Service. Call them, 401-439-6028. Free quote, 24-7 emergency service, Yankee Tree Service. There when you need them, 401-439-6028. Check out tepetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. All our links to social media, exclusive stories and videos waiting for you at tepetro.com. When it comes to insurance, you need a neighbor, a partner, and friend. You need Chapa Insurance Agency. They're located right on Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Call today, free consultation, 401-900-INSU, 401-900-4678, Chapa Insurance, SIA. Stephen, very experienced, whether it's auto, home, renters, business insurance, flood, recreational, umbrella, any other protection for your assets, Rhode Island and Massachusetts, Shapa Insurance Agency, your agency of choice. Call today, set up a meeting. They're so knowledgeable, can have everything under one roof. Call Shapa Insurance today, 401-900-INSU or 401-900-4678. Look for them on Facebook, again, located Reservoir Avenue in Cranston, Shapa Insurance Agency, your neighbor, your partner, your friend, one-stop insurance solutions. Follow On The Scene live stream. That's our Facebook live stream page. You can go to the website, dipetro.com. There's a link there. Or on Facebook, just find the John DePetro Show that's where we do the on-the-scene live stream. Follow all the action. Make sure you follow our Facebook page. 